for me, I have a whole long list of people I blame. <laughs> I blame Black Lives Let Matter. Have, let us have it. I blame the mayor of Seattle and the governor of the of, of the Washington state. I blame Antifa. I blame the federal government and I have all branches. And also, finally, I blame the American people. Thank you for tuning in to the Removing Barriers podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm MCG. And we're attempting to remove barriers so we can all have a clear view of the cross. This is episode number seven of the Removing Barriers podcast. In this podcast, we talk about why the Chaz Chop failed. And we have a very special guest. Today we have with us our good friend DW. He is a very dear friend, him and his family, and we invited him on because we believe that he is very knowledgeable, studious, thoughtful person, and we'd really like to know what he has to say about this. So DW, thanks for joining us. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. As we, as I said earlier, we're going to talk about why the Chaz Chop failed. But before we get deep in this, we want to know what was Chaz Chop? You know, for those that live on a rock who didn't listen to the news for the past couple of months, what was Chaz Chop? The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, I guess is what they, uh, which ultimately Chop was a, an acronym. Uh, Chaz, I guess was uh, I don't remember actually which one came first, Chaz or Chop. I thought it was. I Chop think it was. I think it was Chaz Capitol Hill oh, autonomous right. autonomous zone, but yeah. they probably didn't like and then that. Later was renamed. Right, they didn't like that, or because they couldn't get much, enough funding, so they t- because it was <laughs> autonomous, so they changed it to Chop. I guess Capitol Hill occupied protest, right? Occupied so, protest yes. or organized protest. Oh, okay. uh, they kind of go back and forth between the two. And I think he yeah. ran. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was saying I think he ran from like June eight um, until July one or something like that. It went um, much longer than anyone probably imagined it would have lasted. Right. What, what What is that? Three weeks. Yeah, about three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Yeah. I think it went a lot longer than at least I imagined it would. My first impression when I when I heard of Chad's chop was like, okay, this is going to last a day or two. Polly's going to move in and kind of dismantle this pretty quickly, but then they keep on going on, going on, going on. What was your first impression when you first saw this on the news of Chad's chop? I was completely blown away that, um, anything like that would actually be permitted in the United States. It just completely blew me away. I mean, I've heard of I've heard of protesters against uh, various uh, ideologies doing things like taking tents and camping out on the lawn of a place or something like that, but not completely taking over a uh, an area and kicking the police out and so forth. I mean, even even though the the local government there isn't the most conservative <laughs> by any stretch of the means, but um, just to to think that anyone any any uh form of government would allow someone to come in and occupy an area like that just blew blew me away do you think that because it was it's 2020 and it's a election year why the mayor and the governor kind of put up with this i'm going to call it nonsense because it seems to me that it was 
I don't I don't understand like like you said my first impression you know it wasn't going to last long but I don't I don't understand why why would they allow it to go on you know yeah what it has to do with the election I mean there's that's a very conspiratorial kind of question because <laughs> it probably is <laughs> you know there's there's all kinds of different uh, views on on how that plays into things and so forth I mean if you take the uh, position that some people do that at that at that particular time june 8th the coronavirus uh scare was sort of tapering off a little bit and so some people think that uh this whole thing with Chaz and chop sort of spun up and black lives matter sort of spun up as a as being provoked by some liberal like george soros or something like that to uh to try and create some more chaos and so forth i think that's you know certainly possible but yeah, I, I think don't know. It, that, I don't. I don't know that the different uh, cells of Black Lives Matters are that quite that organized. But anyway. Yeah, I think it it was George Floyd dead, and then you have the series of protests because June eighth is probably two weeks after George Floyd dead, and it and they right. protested for like what a month or more on on George Floyd dead. So. Two weeks after George Floyd dead, nightly protests kind of led to to chop. Uh, and a Wikipedia page I was looking at, it seemed like they were saying that it was Antifa and Black Lives Matter kind of organized this, which uh, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past them, but definitely I don't know if it w- it's because of election year. But, you know, it did. The impression I got and the fact that it went on so long kind of tells me, like, something is going on here that, because we have the mayor saying it's a, a sum of love, and then it kind of went downhill pretty fast after, seemingly after she said it's a sum of love. So I was a little bit surprised that it went downhill that fast, but still they weren't doing anything. Were you surprised in any way, or you were you expecting that this to go downhill pretty fast? I was expecting it to spiral into chaos and then be, Relieved by some police force a bit sooner. I didn't. Yeah, I I was I actually was sort of surprised that it that it maintained any sort of like the the that the violence didn't happen like the first couple of days. I, I was pretty convinced that there was going to end up being some violence, which there ended up being. But I thought it was going to happen sooner. I, I it actually was. I wouldn't I wouldn't say stable, but uh, I was surprised that it it was as stable as it was for as long as it was. Yeah, some media some of some of the media were reporting rapes pretty early on. I think the killings probably started like a week in and right. but but a lot of the rapes and stuff like that sexual assault seemed like it started pretty early on, like a day or two in. And Oh, see, I didn't I didn't know about that actually. Yeah, I don't know the exact time the first first sexual assault was re- reported. But I remember seeing the media, and the media was saying that a bunch of stuff are happening. That, and they're calling the police, and the police are not responding, or the police will come and stay outside of the zone, and to see if they can help the victim. But if if the victim needs help, especially right. medical help, and the police is not going in there, then their ambulances are not going to go in there neither. You know. I thought that was very yeah. interesting um, because my first impression was when I heard of Chaz Chop was the only word that came to my mind was anarchy. 
that's really oh, yeah, absolutely. that's that's really the first thing I ever really thought about it. So like you, DW, I was very surprised that it lasted as long as it did. I mean, it was just three weeks, but I didn't I didn't even give it three weeks. Um, so I'm I'm right there in the boat with you. Now that being said, do you think that Chaz Chop is at, whether it was meant as an autonomous zone as it was initially reported, or whether it was meant as uh, some form of protest, whether organized or occupied, in your opinion, DW, do you think that that type of thing or that type of expression is uh, covered by or protected by the Constitution, in your opinion? No. The, uh, the Constitution, I mean, the First Amendment guarantees uh, the right to, to gather as a, in a peaceful way. But when, uh, when you're antagonistically and and um, aggressively doing things like, you know, kicking the police out of the area, and then, as uh, MCG mentioned, uh, the sexual assaults and so forth. That's not a that's not a peaceful uh, gathering. That's not a peaceful protest. So that that part certainly would not be covered under the uh, under the Constitution. I mean, freedom of speech, yes. So I mean, they could say whatever they want to say, technically speaking. Um, but when they start destroying property and so forth then they start infringing on the on the constitutional rights of others, which means it's not constitutionally protected. Now, I know that some people, not, uh, some people within the Black Lives Matter movement, and I would imagine also within Chaz Chop, would say that they're not doing anything much different than what the founders of this country did when they were very unhappy with the king and they felt like they were being overtaxed marginalized not heard and they just went off and did their own thing and uh i i remember hearing one person on the news quoting the preamble to, uh, like the the first part of the constitution and saying that they're essentially doing the same things so that this is under the greater umbrella of black lives matter of course but this could also apply to Chaz chop like for example we know the constitution says we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, uh, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common yeah, defense. Right. What do yeah. you think? Do you think they have an argument they even, there? And they even, yeah, and even in the Declaration of Independence, it says if we feel that this government, that the government uh, that's being formed is not any longer, and I'm not quoting it very well, but is right. not is no longer uh, serving the people properly, that that that, that government can be disposed of and a new government form that will serve the people adequately. And I know that it makes statements that way, but the Black Lives Matter movement is not the majority of the United States. It's, it's so, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and I'm not talking about ethnicity, m minority and majority. I'm just saying, I'm talking about per capita, the, the number right, of people that of are actually, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just talking exactly. I'm just talking about people that actually would align themselves with that ideology um, would would not be uh, the the majority of the population of the United States. They would be in the in the minority of the population of the United States. And so, you know, if they formed a new government, like they they were trying to go in, or they were at least saying that um, they were trying to create their own independent state <laughs> and um, uh, their own independent government or country. So to depose the government and and establish a new government, it would have to be in the uh, uh, for the good of the country as a whole, of the, the the entire populace, not a portion of it. So, well, even go that, ahead. That's interesting, though, because um, are we we are a republic? We're not 
democracy, right? We, meaning that mob, or the democratic mob, republic, right? Yeah. The mob doesn't, the mob doesn't rule. That's why we right. have the electoral college and all those things. Because even in the last election, as we know, Hillary Clinton won, got more votes than Donald Trump in terms in of the popular, right. popular vote, yeah. but um, he got more electoral college votes, which is why the the founders set it up that way, so that you know we don't. You know, New York and California don't determine who who is, who's the president, president every right. four years. Right. Yeah. So another thing I think about is the fact that they they were taking up private property. So you know, thinking about whether or not this kind of protest is protected under the the Constitution, I was thinking about well, it can't be because firstly they were being lawless for most part, in my opinion, and secondly they were taking up private property and um and destroying private property exactly too. and that's that's one that that's a core tenant of i, I would say of being american have <laughs> be owning private property is is very big in this country compared to other maybe even european countries owning private property is big and you basically prevented people ha- having access to their business and basically you know Taking taking over private property, property that they don't didn't own, and I can't see how doing that is protected by any law or even the constitution. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, the, the the constitution, even though it's a lot of people don't really understand what the constitution actually is. I mean, they they understand it's a document and so forth. But the Constitution is actually the highest law in the land. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which, funny, ironically enough, um, as far as definitions go, that's what a king is. A king is the highest law in the land. I'm talking about antiquity and, and historically speaking, the, you know, like Nebuchadnezzar, he was the law. Mm-hmm. Whatever right. he spoke was law. Da- same with Darius and so forth, except. I mean, there was a slight difference because Darius was sort of controlled by the law. Any of his words couldn't be changed, that kind of thing. But, right. but uh, the, a king historically is the highest law in the land. So, you know, when we when we think of the king of the United States, that's actually the Constitution. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people think, yeah, the, a lot of people think of the president of the United States as being the king, but it's actually the Constitution, and the president is actually supposed to be his bodyguard. Our king just happens to have no mouth, no hands, no feet. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, in theory, you know, the, uh, the, the president of the United States, like I said, is his bodyguard and not only his bodyguard, but his enforcer. And, uh, and the, you know, the, the only reason that the constitution, you know, isn't being observed in cases like chop and Chaz and so forth is because the, the enforcer is either not being, uh, He's, he's not allowed to, or he's not actually taking the action that he should to enforce the king's commandment, if you will. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but that has me thinking, though. So who is to be blamed for this then? When we think about Chaz Chop, it went on for three weeks. Who is to be blamed for this? You know, you, you said that the king wasn't the enforcer of the, the the constitution, which is the president or the federal government weren't doing their part but is there anyone else well, he's he's part of yeah he's part of the executive branch which means he's supposed to execute the law right so that's and that's you know that's his whole that's part of his purpose so i mean i mean even though i i 
like Trump. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's certain there's certain things about him that I don't care for. Of course, he's not a perfect person, and somebody should take his tweet or his Twitter account away. <laughs> but but uh, maybe a lot more than when that. You read, but... Although when you read his Twitter, you know his Twitter exchanges between him and Kim Jong Un or Il, then uh, you know that's pretty funny. But anyway, so. Um, Somebody should definitely take his Twitter his Twitter account away. But um, but other than that, I mean, there are, he, he he has attempted to be a man of his word. He's tried to do the things that he said he would do. Um, but I think in this case, um, you know, I mean, he made some statements like you know he told the the, the governor and the mayor to do certain things in regard to Chaz Chop, which they never uh, you know really did and. And so he came off as sort of hollow, um, I think. I mean, finally, you know, finally something was done about it, of course. But, but, um, but, do yeah, you, I do. You think that the president is more to be blamed than the mayor and the governor, the mayor of Seattle and the governor of um, I, Washington State? Yeah, let me back. Let, yeah, me, I, let me piggyback on that uh, uh, question as well, because uh, one of the things that is a hallmark of how we govern this country is the tension or the balance between federal and state power. So how much of it kind of lays at Trump's feet? How much of it lays at, you know, the mayor and the governor's feet? What's what's your opinion on that in terms of who's to blame? So so I would say, you know, ultimately, uh, the initial blame uh, and responsibility lays at the feet of the governor and the mayor, um, because the I mean, the the president of the United States should never have have uh, needed to become involved with something on the city level or on the state level, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that you know ultimately though, when it comes down to whether you know how much of it was his responsibility really. Uh, it, that would that's a very subjective uh, thing to look at and, and ask really because and I only say that because you know what's the threshold when when uh, was it a day that went by that he didn't do something about it that it was two I mean a week went by I mean what at what point does does he you know sort of shove something down the governor's throat mm-hmm. and you know and when does that okay I mean what what's the threshold and I might say well you know it was a week. And somebody else might think it's two weeks, and somebody else might think, you know, the first time that there was a, a an assault on on a woman, and the the governor didn't do something about it. I mean, but assaults happen, and I'm not I'm not minimizing this at all, okay? But but uh, sexual assault happens every day, and it's in large cities like that. So, so I mean, you know, it's really kind of subjective. But I would certainly, so I can't, I, I don't think I'd be able to put a percentage on it to say that this much was the governor's fault, and this much was the I'd say they were all 100% to blame. <laughs> it, it, um, it, you know, at, at uh, what point should the president have become more involved and actually sent, you know, troops or federal officers in or something? Uh, you know, it's a hard question because uh, I think he acted when he thought he could act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... You know, I, again, that's that's a hard call. And, and if I was in his shoes and I was the president of the United States, I'm not sure exactly what I would have done or how I would have done it. Um, I could create some, fabricate some story, but until I'm actually president of the United States and I have the yeah. most stressful job in the world, I don't know. 
Yeah. yeah, but he too is also governed by the rule of law on the rule of the constitution. So absolutely, how much power does does he truly have there in terms of acting? But I, for me, I have a whole long list of people I blame. <laughs> I blame Black Lives <laughs> Let Matter. Have, let us have it. I blame the mayor of Seattle and the governor of the uh, of the Washington state. I blame Antifa. I blame the federal government, and I have all branches. And also, finally. I blame the American people because I think we have devolved into well, a culture that accept violence, who that we praise wrong as being right. Violence in the name of protest. Yep. Yep. Uh, and we call have a culture that call wrong right. And to me, ultimately, if the American people didn't accept this, I think the governors would have acted much faster. The mayors would have acted faster and the federal government would have acted faster. But because because the people accept this and it's an election year, again, m- maybe maybe I'm wrong and I could be. Not the first time I've been wrong, but I believe because it's an election year, a lot of them didn't want to act too soon or to do something too rational because they didn't know how the people would um, react to that. Uh, let me throw a wrench in there too. Most people are only as informed as they are misinformed by the media. Um, Denzel Washington said it best. He said, if you don't watch the media, you're not informed. And if you watch the media, you're misinformed. So if you were to watch CNN, Vice, etc., they describe... Even Fox. Well, yeah. Well, see, Fox had the opposite, right? So CNN and and, and uh, Vice and all of these other liberal outlets uh, described it as just a, a flowering place of self-expression and protest. And it was just so communal and everyone was just getting along together. And it was just a peaceful protest. And anything that you saw outside of the realm of peaceful protest were infiltrators or people trying to subvert the Chap Chaw's black... Ch- uh, Chaz Chop Black Lives Matter message. Um, you could go on YouTube right now, and you Vice still has that video up, and it describes it describes the uh, zone in that particular way. And so, of course, people who lean left will will tend to think of Chaz as this, you know, harmless sort of protest, and then they will they will support it, or they will at least at the very least not hinder it. And then on the other hand, you have Fox who really described it like it was a war zone of some sort. So just polarizing, polarizing opposites. And so what, what, what do the people have? How do the people make sense of this? Um, and so they just kind of ignore, they, they either take one side or another or they ignore it and, and they do nothing about it. And um, like you said, the American people are to blame, but they're, but they're also informed by the media and the media has a huge part to play in this as well. Something that had said before kind of resonated with me where he was saying that, you know, he'd, he'd blame, he'd blame the American people. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I, I think beyond the governor and beyond the, the, the mayor and beyond the president, I, I would absolutely agree um, and that I think, I think a majority of the blame people. Uh, I think there's also a degree that lies lies on the church because the church hasn't uh, effectively evangelized oh definitely uh, the, the united states and somebody once said that uh the problem's not in the white house the problem's in the church house mm-hmm. um but back to the american family for for a moment um you know i i, I when or when uh, mcg was saying that um 
I thought of Hosea 4.9 that says, uh, part of the, the verse says, like people, like priests. Hmm. And uh, the, the, the idea uh, in that context is that uh, the priests were the way that they were because the people were the way that they were. So essentially mm-hmm. the people got the, the type of priests that, that, they, that they deserved. And, uh, and so, you know, the, the government, the, the governor and the, uh, and the, the mayor and, the, uh, and so forth, even, you know, many of the presidents that we've had, uh, have all been, um, you know, that way because really they, they just came out of the sea of the American people <laughs> Definitely. and sort of, sort of like the antichrist is going to rise out of the sea of the nations, uh, you know, in the, in the last days. Um, and so. You know, the, we're we've produced what we've what we're getting. We we're we're reaping what we've sown. So definitely, I think about Isaiah five twenty, where he say, "Warn to them that call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter." We have gone into a culture where wrong is right, and even unsaved folks that I talk to that uh. I've seen this, you know. I've seen that we are calling something that we used to call wrong even 20 years ago. Now all of a sudden it's right. You know, I did a book that um that came out probably a week or so ago now called In the Defense of Luton. Hmm. And the, the, the author was making the claim that because Luton doesn't hurt anybody, then he's not wrong. He's a pow- basically, the powerful voice to get what you want done done i was like since when and the book is being the book is selling why is it that we accepting something like that is go go all the way back to who's to be blamed for this i think truly we have turned to a point where if it is in the name of black life matter or if it's in the name of protest it's it's right and whatever we used to call right before no that's wrong so well this this is a great example of the chickens coming home to roost this has been going on for decades and now we're beginning to see the seeds were planted decades ago and now we're beginning to see the fruit of it um and i'm not knocking mlk at all but he had he did say that the language writing is the language of the unheard. Um, that's that that thought that line of thinking. Th- what we're seeing with Chaz Chop or the former Chaz Chop and all of the uh, rioting and protesting. That's that's chicks chicks coming home to roost. That's what that is. And so when we allow that kind of thinking, that kind of ideology, to take root in any fashion, whether it's in the hearts of the people or even in our um, beliefs, uh, what what we're what we're preaching as a church and teaching as a church, it's it's, it's like like uh, MCG said, we're gonna we're gonna reap what we sow, and that's not going to be that's not going to be a favorable crop at all. Well, blaming is one thing, but what were they really trying to do though? Because they call it a protest, but it, to me, it almost seemed like they were trying to set up a uh, u- utopia, kind of utopia. Can a utopia exist in exist in our society, regardless of? And I'm going to look at this panel regardless of ideology. 
What do you think, DW? Um, well, the answer is no. Um, I mean, even uh, I know we're not talking about Marxism or anything this week, but but Karl Marx, I don't know if you know much about Karl Marx, but Karl Marx, uh, of course, was an atheist, and he he actually had the uh, the first um, four books of the New Testament, the first uh, the four Gospels, word perfect memorized, and and yet was an atheist, and he built uh, the idea of uh, of the Communist Manifesto off of the um, there in the Book of Acts when when they laid their finances at the feet of the apostles, and then they distributed to every man as he had need, and so forth. That that was the whole idea uh, of the Communist Manifesto. That's where that's where Karl Marx got the idea for that. So he founded that on a biblical principle, and essentially. But not as a Christian, and not uh, with Christ as the head, and uh, and so the reason that communism can't prosper, even though it's based on a biblical principle, is because it doesn't have Christ as its head. So you know, can there be a utopia on Earth that's that doesn't have Christ as its head? Is the answer is no, and so Christ won't actually be the head of any utopia until he reigns in the millennial reign, and then eternally. So. Do you think that they were trying to set one up, though? Oh yeah, I mean that's what uh, that's what Karl Marx wanted to do. That's what uh, that's what Hitler wanted to do. That's what Stalin wanted to do. That's what you know several other communist and tyrannical uh, regimes have wanted to do. And I know Black Lives Matters claims that it doesn't have a head, but it does. <laughs> and uh, I mean we we may not know the personality, like the single you know personality right now, but but there's somebody that that uh, I mean I know there were there were a couple of uh, personalities that started Black Lives Matters and so forth, but I'm just saying that uh, that somebody ultimately uh, is calling the shots and stirring things up and so you know some people like I said before would would point at George Soros and so forth, and he's certainly uh, an influence, but um, somebody's ultimately pushing the switches and, and uh, calling the shots and uh, and. You know, they, that's, I, I'm not sure, even though they say that they were trying to set up their own government, I don't even think they thought it was going to last. Um, I don't think they, they really thought through how that would actually, you know, happen and so forth and continue. So were they trying to do that? I mean, maybe in their own mind, but they're, you know, highly deluded, so. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they thought through. I would agree. I don't think they thought through this thing all the way through. It didn't... Yeah, it's like a kid. It's like a kid that runs away from home thinking, you know, that uh, the eight dollars that he's got in his pocket is actually going to sustain him until he becomes an adult. And, uh, you know, he doesn't think through the fact that he's under the age of 16 and can't get a job. So, I mean, you know. Right. So why did Chad's shop fail? That's the title of the episode. We have gone through a whole list of things about Chad's shop, but ultimately it failed why did it fail um well it, it failed because like i said a moment ago it didn't have christ as its head and there there's no uh society including as great as the united states was even in its prime um why the united states won't last forever why no democratic society or or any society for that matter has has you know lasted through time i mean the, in the book of Daniel, 
you know, when Daniel sees the, uh, when he has the, I'm sorry, when Nebuchadnezzar has the, the vision of the, the statue with the four, uh, with the four parts. And, uh, and then finally at the end, uh, a stone comes and, and breaks the, uh, the statue in pieces, um, which that stone is, is, uh, typographical of, uh, of Christ. It's a picture of Christ. Um, the whole reason that that, you know, the whole, uh, or one of the main themes there in that vision was the fact that none of these kingdoms would last, but that the kingdom that would be formed at the end there, that the stone represented, which is Christ would, would be an eternal kingdom. Um, and so the reason that chop Chaz uh, failed is because it didn't have Christ as its head. Um, you know, I thought through the fact that, uh, you know, they, uh, supposedly they wanted to throw off, uh, you know, injustices and, and so forth. And in the, in the, as a result, they actually created more injustice rather than, than solving, uh, any problem, uh, that they might see in, in the current justice system. And they went about to sort of establish their own form of justice, um, Maybe think of Judges chapter 17 and verse 6 where it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And, um, you know, they, they sought to, 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 to throw off uh, the shackles, as it, as it would be, of, of the, uh, the justice system that they see as uh, unjust and, and corrupt. Um, but I got to thinking about the fact that, um, you know, even even though they didn't want that law, if you will, um, if something were to happen to them directly, uh, to them personally, uh, then they, they would probably be one of the first people to stand up and, and want to see justice happen. You know, I, I thought of a interview that Ray Comfort had with a woman uh, on the street one time, and he was talking with her, and she ended up mentioning that uh, she – she didn't think um, that that anyone should be judged for anything and so forth. And as Ray Comfort was interviewing her, he uh, he then asked her, you know, well, what if what if uh, somebody, um, you know, and, and, and his his uh, example was a little abrupt or whatever. But he said, you know, what if somebody assaulted your daughter or something like that? Would you what, you wouldn't want them to be, uh, you know, what would you want to happen to them? And she said, well, you know, they should be arrested and, and uh, they should be uh you know, they should be tried and so forth. And he says, oh, so, so you do believe in judgment. And that's the way I sort of look at these, they, these people that, uh, you know, that were involved with Chaz is they didn't want, uh, they don't, they didn't want the law that was presiding over them until something were to happen to them personally. And then they would, like I said, they'd be one of the first people that want, would want to stand up and see justice happen. So in the end, they really do believe in law and justice. Um, only when it's in their favor, you know, they, they want to sort of, um, they sort of want to do away with law, but in the end, you know, ultimately you can't, you can't do away with it. Um, and you know, that, that made me think about the fact that, uh, that one of the things that is missing in their ideology and their way of looking at things is they don't really see themselves as lawbreakers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they think that the, the actions, because, uh, it, those, those things aren't infringing on their justice, you know, directly, they're infringing on everyone else's justice. They don't see themselves as lawbreakers. And that's really, I would almost think it would be the key 
um, is if there was a way to help them see that they themselves are breaking the law. And I don't just mean uh, now as far as the laws of the land, although I really wish they would see those things. And there, I wish there were a way to, to, to easily convey that. I saw a fellow who, uh, who actually tried to go into Chaz and preach the gospel in Chaz, and they ended up knocking him unconscious and dragging him out of the, the Chaz and throwing him out of the side. It sort of made me think of Paul getting stoned and taken mm-hmm. outside of uh, Lister, you know. And, and uh, you know, I, could, I, I don't know that I would line up with that guy totally doctrinally, but at least he had the audacity and the, the zeal yeah. uh, to, to, to try and go in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I, I wonder if, if any of the people that he, you know, ended up preaching within the sound of his voice, if, if any of them, you know, I hope he confronted them with the law. And it's, again, to bring up Ray Comfort, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about him is he, he uses the law to really confront people and try to show them that ultimately they're lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the reason that, that Chaz failed um, ultimately is because finally we saw that, you know, we weren't allowed or we weren't uh, willing to take their, their lawlessness any longer. And the law came in and cleaned, cleaned house. And, and so just as man is a lawbreaker, um, and, you know, the, the Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 3, verse, verse 10, that there's none righteous, no, not one. And Paul in that in that uh, paragraph of text is actually trying to prove a point, and that's the beginning of his of his statement. He's actually making a statement there, and then he proves it through the next uh, twenty or uh, next uh, twelve verses until he gets down to verse twenty three, and, and there he says, "For we have all sinned, you know, uh, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." And like I said, he starts off with, "There's none righteous, no, not one," and he ends with, uh, be, "And the reason for that is because we've all sinned." Uh, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. And so, you know, and, and Paul even says there in Romans chapter three, that the whole purpose of the law is to, and the, is to, uh, to stop every mouth and, and, and to, to show every man that he's guilty before God. And, uh, and so, you know, I wish there was a way um, uh, to, to just sort of in mass show these people that, that they are lawbreakers, you know, to confront them with that. And so, like I said, I commend that guy for going in and trying to do that. So I think that's really the first step. You know, it failed because they, they, you know, the government finally took note of the fact that they're they were breaking the law, and they they saw it all along the way. But they finally went in and cleaned that up. And and one day, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back, and uh, and He says in various places, John chapter five is an example that the Father hath committed all judgment unto Him. And uh, Revelation chapter 20 is really a picture of that, uh, verses 11 through 15, um, you know, very specifically. And there he talks about uh, how the dead, small and great, are going to appear before the judgment, or before the, the throne. And so eventually uh, Christ is actually going to come, and he, he is going to judge um, uh, the quick and the dead. He's going to judge the living at the, the judgment seat of Christ and the dead here at the great white throne. And so he is judge, and one day he's going to come and he's going to clean up house. And uh, and I heard a preacher one time say that uh, the the only way to escape that second judgment is to be at the first, you know, the mm-hmm. the judgment seat of Christ. And the only way, obviously, to get there is to receive Christ as your Savior. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so in 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 confronting these people with the fact that they're lawbreakers and that there is judgment coming. 
um, you know, the once they're confronted with that, uh, then obviously it would be good to to uh, to let them know that that's not the end of the story. That's the bad news, but that the good news is that Christ, you know, he says in John chapter three, in verse seventeen. Uh, that, that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, even though Christ is coming, and he, even though he is judge, and he's going to judge all the lawbreakers that haven't received him as his savior, um, he didn't come in order to judge. That's, that wasn't, uh, you know, that ultimately he doesn't want to judge man and send man uh, to hell, you know, Matthew chapter 25, it says that the, that hell was created for the devil and his angels, uh, not for man uh, initially. And uh, although man, because of his sin, has consigned himself to that place because, again, God is judge, he's just, and so he has to, to give that same penalty. When, when, when uh, Lucifer rebelled, he, the judgment was that he had to be separated from God for eternity. And so that place called hell was created. And when man sinned, then he, because God is just and fair, um, he had to consign man to the same penalty. And and yet since Jesus, you know, in John chapter 3, verse 16, the verse preceding where Jesus says uh, God, you know, that, that uh, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The previous verse says, for God so loved the world that he gave, uh, that uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Christ, you know, he doesn't want to judge man and send man to that, that, that awful place. He, he, he wants to save man and, and, uh, and he loves man. And so, uh, you know, not only confronting these people uh, with their lawlessness and the fact that God's going to judge, but also uh, showing them the, the love of Christ and the fact that God wants to save them from their sins. And, uh, you know, so ultimately, you know, why did CHOP fail? Well, because they were lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, the really, the only answer for that is, is justice. Um, but in the case of, of, uh, of spiritual things, Christ doesn't just offer us justice, he offers us mercy. Amen. And, and, uh, you know, I, you know, this sort of makes me think a little bit of my own testimony. When I was, uh, when I was 17, I left home because I was, a, I was a rebel. And, uh, you know, for the next 13 years, I lived a, a, an awful and a wicked lifestyle and I did whatever pleased me. And that sort of makes me think of, of these people that are, that are, uh, sort of in this, uh, black lives matter movement is there, is they're doing what, what pleases them. They're, they're, they're ruled by their senses and by, you know, whatever, whatever feels good at the moment and so forth. And that was just like me before I was saved. And uh, like I said, I left home at 17. I joined the military and uh, lived a wicked lifestyle. And, uh, you know, when I was but when I was 30 years old, the, the Lord Jesus Christ showed up and he offered me mercy. A fellow had shared uh, uh, some gospel, uh, a gospel tract with me with some verses in it. And I took it home and, and was reading through those verses. And I, I clearly saw myself as a sinner that I didn't. I didn't argue with. I've even talked to lots of atheists that uh, even though they say they don't believe in God, they they oftentimes add in at the end, you know, ju- the, the just in case clause <laughs> of mm-hmm. what if God does exist, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been a pretty good person. And uh, and then I'll ask them, you know, but are you perfect? Well, no, no one's perfect. I mean, you know, so and 
you know, so sort of in the back of my mind, I always had that imagery of myself. I'm really not that bad, but, but I'm really not, and I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad kind of thing, you know? But when I was reading that tract and looking at those verses, I just, I started realizing how awful I really was. Um, because I started being, I started uh, having this contrast. I saw this contrast between the holiness of God and myself. And uh, and so when I say, you know, that we ought to confront them with their lawlessness, that's really the measurement hmm. that really shows somebody how much of a lawbreaker they really are. You know, sort of like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, the reason that he ultimately says. Uh, I am a man of unclean lips amongst the people of unclean lips is because he saw God in his holiness. And, uh, and you know, and we were talking a little, by, a little while ago about the fact that uh, the problem is really in the church house. And I think that's why a lot of people don't, don't realize how holy God is because his people aren't as holy as they should be. Mm -hmm. I don't know we're not perfect, but we ought to be salt and light. And uh, be that contrast, and 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 so anyway, that that night when I was looking at those Bible verses, and I saw the holiness of God, and, and I saw myself in light of that holiness, I realized I was a lawbreaker, and uh, and you know, being a church member wasn't going to save me, even though I had had gone to church my whole life growing up, um, and whenever. I would worry about eternity. I would just sort of uh, remind myself that, that uh, I prayed a prayer when I was nine years old and I went to church and so forth. And uh, But none of that made me feel any better. But when I got to uh, Romans uh, 10.9, which says uh, that if thou shalt confess thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I got hung up on that phrase, the Lord Jesus. And I asked myself, why did the writer call Jesus the Lord? And I suddenly realized that Jesus Christ is God. Hmm. And uh, when I saw that, that's when really the, the, the whole matter of the holiness of God really settled on me. And I saw myself again as that lawbreaker, and it just really became clear to me. And uh, when I saw that, that there was this great contrast between God and me, and that was what was separating me from him was my sin, um, I just fell apart. And, uh, you know, and so that's what I'm praying for, for these people that, uh, you know, that as they, as they're confronted with their lawlessness and they see God as judge and they see him in his holiness, that they will then clearly see themselves as sinners. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like that word sinners and, uh, you know, they, they, they want to push against, uh, back against that. We were distributing tracks out in a little village, not too far from us, uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, somebody from one of the houses took a marker and scratched out some stuff and wrote some stuff on the track. And one of the things they said, they put it on our windshield. One of the things that they said was that, uh, you know, you know, they commented on how, how nice air quotes, how nice it was that we would call people sinners. And, um, but what we don't realize it's, it's like being called a human being. It's just something that we are. Um, it's, it's not like, I'm calling somebody a dirty name by calling them a sinner. Um, you know, we're humans because because Adam was a human being and we're we're uh, descendants of Adam. We're also sinners because we're descendants of Adam. Um, he passed that along to us, just like he passed his genes along to us. He passed along the fact that we're sinners, and 
you know, if we need confirmation of that, um, you know, it says, uh, uh, you know, there in the book of Romans, it says, uh, it paints the same picture that if we were in the garden with Adam, we would have sinned right along with him. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. And then he concludes that for the all of sin. Each man personally, individually, is a sinner, not only because we've we've inherited that from Adam, uh, but also because, uh, you know, we prove that because we, we sin. Um, so if any of us could, you know, stand up and, and say we've never sinned, then then we could uh, prove that we weren't sinners, but all of us have sinned, which just proves that we're sinners. Um, you know, we eat, breathe, sleep, and die because we're humans, and we sin because we're sinners. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but the good news is that night when the Lord showed me that, he also, again, that was Romans 10, uh, 9 that I was reading when, when he really got a hold of my heart. And it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And uh, I realized that night that not only was Jesus Christ God and was he holy, and uh, and one day he was going to judge, but I suddenly also realized that he was my Savior if I would receive him. And uh, that's why I love uh, John one twelve, which says, but as many as received him. To them gave you power to become the sons of God. You know, a lot of people look at religion as saving them or some other thing as saving them, but but the Bible clearly says, but as many as received him personally, because salvation is not a thing, it's a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that night when I saw the deity of Christ, saw myself as a lawbreaker uh, and his holiness, and I realized, though, that he, he didn't want to condemn me, he wanted to save me. And I cried out to him, and he saved my soul. And uh, so that's what I'm praying for for these people from Chaz and Chop, Black Lives Matter. I know it's easy for us to look at them and, and uh, want to be you know, frustrated with them and uh, maybe even look at them uh, in a way that we shouldn't, like in a negative way, like hate them or something like that. It would be easy almost to do that. But... Um, but I, I'm really determined that we ought to pray for them and, and want to see them saved, which, you know, it's kind of hard. Like with with uh, with Osama bin Laden, you know, and when the when the uh, the soldiers went over there and they they uh, ended his life, um, you know, a lot of people right off the bat, you know, sort of praised. And, and the Bible does say that if if a man shed man's blood, that by man shall his blood be shed. So I understand that principle, but at the same time, this is a human being for whom Christ died. And the moment after that bullet went through him, he was in hell. And he'll be there eternally. And uh, I remember a young man from uh, the Christian school that, that I used to work at saying that he was uh, really pumped about becoming a Marine sniper. Mm. And I just said to him, uh, uh, I just said to him, you know, I called his name. And I said, you know, uh, just remember when you sight in and you, those, those crosshairs settle on that, that person's head, the moment before you pull the trigger, this person could still hear the gospel. They could still be saved. The moment after you pull the trigger, they're in hell, and they'll be there forever. And, uh, you know, he stopped, and his eyes got kind of big. And, you know, because... 
hell isn't for a little while. It's well, I mean, it's until the great white throne judgment. They'll be called up just briefly to have this this reprieve from their torment, just to be judged and cast back into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Um, yeah, and it's it's amazing to consider. You know, again, back to the topic of sin for just a moment. I know I'm going on here, and I'll try to wrap things up in a moment. But you know, it's amazing to think that in Rome, uh, Revelation 21:8, it mentions that even liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know, we often think that uh, you know, it's the little things maybe don't maybe they don't matter, maybe they don't count against us. But God even says that lying uh, is a sin that's worthy of the second death. And uh, I had a kid one time ask me, you know, why is that? He said, I'm not really that bad. I haven't really done things that are that bad. And I said to him, uh, I'm going to call him Keith for the sake of this argument, just so I have a name to use. But I said, uh, I said, Keith, here I'm standing on your doorstep. If I said something to you that you didn't like, what would you do? And he said, well, I'd probably punch you in the face. And I said, okay. I said, well, you know, if that happened, I said, uh, what would happen, you think? He said, well, we'd probably get into a fight. He said, but don't worry. I'm, he said, I'm bigger. I'd win. I said, okay, well, that's nice of you to say that. Um, he didn't know I was a former Marine. So, but anyway, um, and, uh, but I said to him, I said, okay, well, what happens after that? And he says, well, I don't know. A couple of weeks from now, you know, we might be friends again or something. I said, well, Keith, that's interesting logic that you have there, but, um, I said, you know, I guess you're right. You know, as long as you don't kill me and I don't kill you and neither of us calls the police, you know, maybe we could become friends again. I said, what if I was, and at the time I lived in uh, Montana, I said, you know, uh, if, uh, if I was the, the governor of Montana, uh, Stephen Bullock, I said, uh, you know, and I said something you didn't like and you took a swing at me, what would happen? He said, whoa, he said, I'd be, I'd go to jail for a while. I said, why is that? He said, well, because you'd be the governor of the state. I said, okay. I said, uh, what if I was the president of the United States? He stopped and thought for that on that for a moment, and then he said to me, he said, well, those guys with the sunglasses and the earbuds, they would shoot me. <laughs> he said, uh, you know, he would, they would shoot me first and ask questions later. <laughs> and uh, I said, that's right. I said, I said, so Keith, I said, why is it? I said, I said I'm a man. The governor of, of Montana is a man. President of the United States is a man, and I mean, a, I don't mean a male of the speed of, of the, the the race. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, a, a male, <laughs> a, man, right. a, a person, a human being. Sorry. And uh, so I said, we're all, all three of us are men. I said, why does the penalty get worse? And he stopped and really thought about that for a moment. He said, well, he said because you're nobody. And I said, well, thanks, Keith. I really appreciate that for you, you reminding me of that. And he said, well, you know, the president, he's got the, he's, he's, you know, the, the most powerful man in the United States. And I said, right. I said, he's got the highest office in the land and I don't. And so the reason there's really no penalty, if you, if I don't call the police that you punch me in the face is because I'm just nobody. I said, but the governor, he's somebody important. And so you go to jail and the, the, the president of the United States is the highest office in the land. So it's a penalty of death. And I said, <clears throat> I said, God, on the, on the other hand, has the highest office in the universe, and his office is infinite. And that's why when you, when you raise your fist, when he says, thou shalt not, and you do, or he says, thou shalt, and you don't, 
I said, you've, you've, you've shaken your fist, you've attacked, you've, you've taken, you've swung at, you've rebelled against the king of the universe and his office is infinite. And so you receive a penalty equal to the crime that's been committed. And that's why hell is forever because you've committed a crime, an infinite crime against the king of the universe, even for the smallest thing. And, uh, and I said to him, uh, I said, and that's just one sin and you've got a lifetime of sin. And he stopped and really like his eyes got really big and he, and right like before that part of the conversation, he didn't really want to talk to me. But after that, then we started reasoning of judgment and so forth. And it turned into a really good conversation because he finally, it finally settled on him that, uh, that, that this was serious business. I, I think I used a different illustration with him a little bit farther along in the conversation. And I said, well, Keith, let me, you know, kind of shore this up for you. If, if uh, if it took dunking to get to heaven, I said, can you dunk? And he said, yeah, I can dunk. I said, okay. I said, if it took dunking, you could get into heaven, and I couldn't because I can't I can't reach that uh, that rim. But you can. I said, but like we were just talking about, the distance between us and God is not ten feet. It's infinite. You might jump higher than me, but you can't make it. You can't even pay for one of your sins, let alone a lifetime of them. And uh, I think right around that time, I used Romans three or Romans six twenty three rather, where it says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord." And I mentioned the fact that wages is something that's earned, and uh, you know we earn that infinite penalty, and that's not for just you know that's not a, a the infinite penalty for all of our sin. It's that's it's an infinite penalty for even one sin, and we have a lifetime of them. We're just punch, you know, punching that clock every time, and uh, and then you know, I, then I mentioned the fact that that uh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and the fact that that gift, that gift is free, and so Christ came to Earth, and he, you know, here's God in the flesh, and he's offered himself to redeem man at no cost to man, but it cost him everything. I, I think it's amazing. Um, I don't know how. You know how the two of you. I mean, I know that that both of you uh, have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, but but I don't know how often you think about the fact that Jesus Christ. You know, He's the Creator. You know, I, I oftentimes when I'm talking to people about the gospel and so forth, I try to take them back. You know, I was talking about Adam there, and some people don't even know who Adam is. You know, maybe I should stop and explain who Adam is. But all the way back to the creation, and, and when God first created the world, He made a man called Adam, a real historical figure. Not uh, you know not a he's not a fi he's not a, a just a figure in a story or, or whatever this is he's an actual historical figure and uh, and Adam actually sinned against God um, and and when he did that he he was separated from God like I said before because of his sin and and we likewise are separated from God because of our sin and uh, and. That same creator that made the world um, entered the world some 4,000 years after Adam, and he died on a cross, and he gave himself as a gift, as a free gift. And it says in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 that he gave himself a ransom for all. And, uh, you know, it, I just, I'm just, when I think about these things, I'm just always, uh, you know, really overwhelmed by the idea that uh, 
and the truth that the creator of the universe is vast and uh, and just huge um, and you know, would pay attention to a speck of dust, uh, you know, like me, like any of us. And yet he loves each of us so much uh, that he died for us. So to tie that all together, uh, you know, the reason that CHOP failed is because they were lawbreakers. And eventually uh, the president of the United States um, and, and, uh, and, and the government saw that uh, the lawbreaking had to stop in this particular case. I mean, I wish uh, they'd get more involved in more <laughs> of the protests and so forth, but, uh, and, and so they, they put a stop to it. And, and likewise, you know, in a spiritual way, uh, God is going to come one day and he's going to, he's going to put an end to, uh, to, to the chaos, the lawlessness that's on the earth. And, uh, I think I started to mention it before, but there was a preacher one time that uh, mentioned that, um, God or the Lord Jesus Christ will either be your savior or he'll, or he'll be your judge. And, uh, so thankfully in my case, and, and I, I pray for, you know, these people that are involved in BLM and, and so forth that, uh, that this would somehow be true for them. I've prayed for the president of the United States as well, but if he's our savior before uh, the end of this life, then, then uh, he won't have to be our judge. So. Amen. DW, thank you for joining us on the Removing Barriers podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. To get a hold of us or to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm forward slash removing barriers this has been the removing barriers podcast we attempted to remove barriers so that we all can have a clear view of the cross